0: Welcome to the Sky U podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, Go away you Fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy05. Hello. Blake, Iowa Gopher. As always, happy to be here. And you Street. Hey y'all. So, uh, we could talk about Ruckers right away, but Ruckers is terrible, and so I would like to delay talking about Ruckers. I would like to begin this Skyu podcast by thanking the great state of Nebraska for produ- producing so many people who just feel so angry and upset that Minnesota beats uh, their Nebraska Cornhuskers. It has been a source of joy and entertainment for me all weekend into this week. Um, uh, is anyone
1: else just reveling in this moment as much as I am? I don't know if "revel" is the right word, but it's just—it's more amusing to see that whole fan base just lose their shit after a loss to Minnesota. Cause one, I mean, they, they perceive Minnesota to be far inferior to, um, Nebraska, which debatable. I mean, historically, I mean, both have national championships, however far, however far back you want to go. Um, but just, I think this, for some reason, there's a certain portion of this fan base that is just incapable of being humbled. Um, and they're just they're just constantly flailing, no matter what's going on, and it's just difficult to reason with them. And I not to say that's the whole representative of the whole fan base, but it's just amusing to see them like basically devour each other um, after a loss like that.
0: Andy, have you been uh, enjoying enjoying the twitters recently?
2: Yeah, you know it's been it's been fun to watching Nebraska fans melt down, and just because like you said, they've got such a sense of superiority over everybody, they still haven't realized that it's, uh, 2019 and not 1995 anymore, um, and that, that just doesn't automatically happen, so, uh, yeah, it's been fun, it's been fun, um, you know, they'll have to figure out a way to try and, and make a bowl while, uh, we're we're obviously already there, and hopefully have much much bigger goals for for our team. But yeah, it was it was interesting seeing the Nebraska fans walking out of TCF Saturday night. It was it was a mixed bag of of some who were just sort of embarrassed and trying to get out there fast, and then there were still there are still some guys that, uh, that just couldn't stop talking trash, you know, oh, you guys are 5-0, and and you have a 60% full stadium, and da-da-da-da-da, it's like, dude, just, just take your L and keep on walking, please, but, uh, th- there's gonna be those members in, in every fan base, I'm sure if, uh, you know, we had a bad situation like that, there'd be some of our fans mouthing off, but, uh, you know, it it it's just nice that it's it's not us for once, and we have a really good chance to, to pick up wins uh, in the next couple of weeks, and then things really get interesting.
1: Were they? Yeah, were, I mean, let, were there Nebraska fans at the game? I I didn't know that they traveled. Well, that's that's the first I've heard of that. Well, of
2: course, there's Nebraska fans at the game, but to to take it one step further, the dude who is mouthing off is a Nebraska fan who lives in the Twin Cities who has gopher season tickets for the sole point of getting tickets to the Nebraska game. So he occasionally shows up to watch gopher games in neutral clothing, but he was bragging for the fact that he got season tickets in Minnesota because it's so easy to make sure that he got the Nebraska tickets every two years. Wow, he really showed them.
0: I'm sure the university was terribly sad to take his money and, uh, you know, his butt in the seats every, you know, second, every other, every third game. Terrible, terrible hardship he imposed upon the University of Minnesota. There, enjoy the winter. God, uh, I'm not going to lie. I was waiting, just waiting. Because uh, I really did feel pretty good that Minnesota could win. I didn't think they'd do this, you know, kind of a chef's kiss uh, beatdown. But um, the amount of nonsense tossed uh, towards our Twitter account when I just decided to mock the the absolutely ridiculous Nebraska is going to win the Big Ten West nonsense. Um, it was just I've been waiting. And and they came and the Gophers came through for me, which I appreciate. So, all right, enough about uh, corn-loving folks from the West. We have Rutgers, mighty mighty Rutgers, the Queensmen of Rutgers. And uh, before anyone gets confused, it's homecoming at Rutgers. Rutgers is wearing throwback uniforms. Uh, And Rutgers was originally, their football team was originally called the Queensmen, so these throwback uniforms say Queensmen on the back, which I've been told names of schools or states or whatever on the back is totally about the head coach, so bad on interim head coach, very, I don't know his name, because who cares, he's not going to be coaching there in six more games, but... Ruckers, Mighty Ruckers. Blake, I want you to tell me just
1: how unafraid I'm supposed to be of Rutgers. Um, I mean, I originally started looking into Ruckers because I admittedly have not watched them this season in a game. Um, expecting them to be, like, not as bad as their record would indicate they're 1-5, um, their head coach was fired. Um, honestly, though, they seem much worse than I anticipated. I mean, for starters, you know, Chris Ash is gone. This, this would have been his fourth year as head coach. His overall record at Rutgers was 8-32. and um, His final game as head coach was a 52-0 loss to Michigan. Um, shortly after that, they promote, well, they fired him and their offensive coordinator and then promoted to interim head coach and offensive coordinator a tight ends coach with the name Nunzio Campanil, which is a real person's name. Um, and this head, this new interim head coach and offensive coordinator has only been coaching the collegiate level for two years. Prior to that, he was, he was entirely uh, at the high school level. Um, so right now Rutgers is being led by someone whose familiarity with the college game only extends about two years. Um, and beyond that, their starting quarterback at the, from the beginning of the season uh, was a Texas Tech transfer he actually medically retired a couple games in the season due to concussions. His backup, um, Arthur Sitkowski, is a sophomore quarterback. He actually went to IMG Academy with um, Minnesota's Zach Uh Guy went four games in the season and said, Hey, I'm actually not going to play the rest of the year. I'm just going to redshirt. Presumably, in his own self interest, He's, I assume he's going to transfer. Um, their starting running back, Raheem Blackshear, they're far and away their most athletic. Um, play American offense, is going the same route and declining to play the rest of the season um, to take the red shirt. And even before uh, Sudkowski and Blackshear um, decided to sit out and before their offensive offensive coordinator got uh, fired, they have been shut out twice. They've been shut out three times in six games. Um, They did score, I think, 48 points against UMass in their opening game, but since then, in the five against Simpson, um, they're averaging 4.6 points per game. Um, it, it's really bad. I mean, again, they played Indiana last week and lost 35-0. Um, they were over 11 on third down in that game. They averaged 2.2 yards per carry. And I kid you not, they finished the game with one-yard passing. Like just like that total, one-yard passing. Like I don't – they that was more than just one passing. They completed like five passes. And the total eventually came out to one yard. Um, their quarterback's Richard Freshman, Johnny Langan. Um, he has not thrown a touchdown yet. He's had two starts. He's been sacked nine times, thrown two interceptions. Uh, they got a couple of decent skill position players. Their sophomore running back, um, Isaiah Pacheco, he's their most productive player. He's got about 384 rushing yards, four touchdowns. And they got one decent receiver, Bo Melton. He's got 16 receptions um, for 255 yards and a touchdown. So, um, uh, really there's really no reason to fear this offense they've been and that for most of the season and that was when they had uh an actual offensive coordinator and most of their top skill players so it's a, f- a fairly sad state of affairs on offense um defensively um obviously uh they don't <laughs> they don't get much help from their offense um both in terms of points and time of possession like this defense is on the field constantly i think the offense ranks 85th in the country in time of possession um, which is which is great if you're a high scoring like or a quick scoring offense um, that's just but that's not what records has it's just a no scoring offense um, and their defense defense just isn't good to begin with I mean they've been torched through the air they're given up 240 passing yards per game they're getting killed on the ground they're given up 209 rushing yards per game Um They really don't have much of a pass rush to stop uh, pass attacks. They've only had six sacks through six games. Um, They don't really force turnovers. Uh, They're 112th in the country in turnovers with only five. I think about four interceptions, one fumble. Um, They're also one of the worst teams in the country on third down. Their opponents are converting, I think, about 40% uh, of third downs. It's just the best way I can describe this defense is that they're intermittently competent, um but I, they're just not well coached they are prone to a lot of mental mistakes and misassignments, assignments and um teams just naturally take advantage of those to break big plays and um i certainly think fatigue is a big factor because i mean if you're on the field as much as they are uh you're gonna eventually wear down and give up a lot of points so i would say at best this defense is mediocre but made worse by the fact that they just have an offense that doesn't put up points to the board and, and does not sustain drives so um really just a not, just not a good football team. That that's the best description I can give you.
0: So, my takeaway here is that Illinois is substantially superior to this team.
1: Oh yes, I, I would say absolutely. I think Illinois, just offense alone, has so many more skill players. I mean, Reggie Corbin is far and away would be the absolute best player on Rutgers' team. I'd even take probably Brandon Peters um over Johnny Lang and the Rutgers quarterback but yeah I think Illinois um offensively definitely far and away better defensively debatable I'd have to look in a little bit more but I think yeah if we're looking at the Big Ten hier- hierarchy there's Rutgers at 14th and then there's a fair amount of distance between 14 and 13 where I probably would slot Illinois so yeah I would say Illinois is uh the clear-cut better team of the two
0: Do we fear a letdown game against somebody this bad? Like, this is this is a really bad team. Street, like, I'm gonna, I want to hear Street on this one. Are we, are we fearing a a letdown game at all?
1: No.
3: (laughs) Not even remotely. No, I mean, look, the a letdown game implies that. A, you're like looking ahead. I guess, I don't know, maybe there's some revenge to Maryland in some weird way. But I think... While the platitude of we are 0-0 and in this week is a platitude for a reason, one of the things that will absolutely be true is that this is a game that the team will take seriously. I think it is also a game that the coaching staff will potentially do things that if they are winning by any real length in the second half will be very annoying potentially. And by very annoying, I mean they will go into a we are going to spend 20 minutes of the 30 minutes of this half on one drive if we can do so. That is my prediction. But no, there should not be a worry. Yes, if this is a loss at the end of the day, that will be a massive embarrassment on uh, very high levels to the extent that I cannot think of a game that is more embarrassing to lose uh, since the time I've been alive.
0: I want to be clear. When you say very boring or some other terminology that seems to denigrate a 20-minute drive, I want to clarify, you are a fan of a Big Ten team, right? Because that that drive should be described as magical and or, you know, the best thing you've ever seen. Only
3: if they punt at the end of it.
0: (laughs) Only if they punt from, like, the 30-yard line, opponent 30-yard line at the end of it.
1: I I do want to say let's not overlook the historic aspect of this game. Uh, This is... Minnesota's first visit to Piscataway in program history um, for the football team, so you will be witnessing history on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I I found it interesting because anyone who's been paying attention to our points predictions post has noticed that uh, uh, Hipster Gopher, his bit this year is he picks a score from a historical, you know, the last time the team's played, one of the last times the team's played, and then uses that as his score prediction. I'd forgotten that 2016 was the first and only time that Minnesota had met Rutgers since they joined the Big Ten. So, yeah, not only is it the first trip to uh, the, quote, birthplace of college football, uh, but, yeah, it's only the second time we've ever played Rutgers, which is...
3: And it's also the second week in a row where we're going to play a team that uh, dresses in red, has insufferable fans, and also doesn't have a chance of winning the conference championship this year.
0: Oh, nice. Andy, I mean, are you, do you have any concerns at all short of like somebody gets injured?
2: Yeah, I mean, to win the game, not necessarily, I do think there's a potential that this just because it's a road game and because it's, you know, you're coming off of a, I guess we can call that Nebraska game an emotional win, it, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, emotionally you know, satisfying? Yeah, well, either way, I, I think there's the potential for a, a letdown. Now, I mean, all we can go on is, is previous history, and this team has shown that they're not necessarily, you know, following that that line that f- former Gopher teams had. Um you know i'm i'm always going to be the skeptic so i'm i'm not nearly as confident in a, in a blowout as i think maybe i probably should be um, i don't think minnesota will have any trouble winning this game but it may be more of a 14 17 point game than say a 40 point game um, but you know yeah in, in in the long run the biggest thing is is get the win get out of new jersey without anybody getting hurt and and keep moving forward because yeah, whether you win by 14 or whether you win by 40, there really is no nothing won or lost in this game. Just get your get your W and get the hell out of town. Seems fair enough.
3: Is there anything we're looking forward to
0: from this game
1: at all?
3: Yeah, they win and no one gets injured.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't mind a blowout. Blowouts are underrated in my opinion.
2: I mean, I'd say we get to the point where we get to see one of the freshman quarterbacks, but if you listen to what PJ was saying in his radio program, he's been pretty much stressing the, you know, I want to redshirt them both, and the reason why at the end of the Illinois game I basically just used Seth Green is I didn't want them to take some useless snaps and things like that. So, you know, even if it is, say, a 42 to nothing game going into the fourth quarter, I'm honestly not sure you're going to see anything but Seth Green handing the ball off in the fourth quarter. I I don't think we would even see Clark or Kramer um, to get some snaps because P.J. won't think that those are, quote, meaningful snaps. That's what he wants. If if he's going to give any snaps to one of those guys, that's what he wants to see. So, um, you know, for anybody thinking that that might be something, I, I don't think that's even going to be a thing, which is... You know, gonna make that potential fourth quarter slog even worse if it's literally Seth Green running one every three times and handing it off to, uh, handing it off to Williams or handing it off to Ibrahim or somebody like that. You know, for the other couple of times, just trying to burn out the clock. So, um, no, honestly, compared to a lot of the other games in the schedule, no, I'm not really looking forward to anything. I'm I'm looking forward to the Gophers to take care of business, get the win, and and come home.
1: Uh, regarding the the quarterback thing, I to, that that I have kind of an issue with that because like you look at those theoretically, if he's waiting for the last four games of the season to play either of those quarterbacks, you look at the opponents like Penn State, Iowa, Northwestern, Wisconsin. I Northwestern maybe I just don't see any of those four games being an opportunity to play one of those freshman quarterbacks in meaningful snaps unless like for some bizarre reason he's just going to insert them randomly. To me, like this is the opportunity to get those guys playing time. A barring injury, I guess late in the season, but yeah, that I guess it's just kind of a I don't know. It's a tough situation because um, you don't know what's going to happen in these next six weeks. But yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing one or two of them, you know, getting some time during these lesser opponent games. But yeah, that's just my two cents there.
0: They probably see better defense with the scout team in practice, if we're honest.
1: Probably, yeah.
0: All right, so I'm going to take from this my, my win that I want to see is that people in Maroon and Gold can turn the game off early and go do something else that also makes them happy because the game is so in hand that, you know, heck, a nap on the couch while the slog finishes up. Sounds like a good a good opportunity. So, but Less exciting news transitioning here. Eric Curry was officially announced out for the season, the basketball season, uh, with another torn ACL, this time in his other knee. I don't remember which knee was the first tear and which knee was the second tear. But yet again, a knee injury has sidelined uh, Eric Curry. And, I mean, I feel bad for the kid because he had such a promising start to his career at Minnesota, and he's been sidelined. You know, street, what does this mean for the Gophers uh coming into the season?
3: Better, I suppose, at the beginning of the season, if you are going to have a season ending injury, I would echo your points on Eric Curry. By all accounts, he seems like a great person. Not that if he was not a great person, it wouldn't suck to lose to injury, but I think it's particularly the case that it's a bummer when you have someone who seems to be a good person. It also is something that's going to harm the gopher's depth at a position of need at the four. So, what it's going to mean for the gophers themselves is that Jarvis Omersa will play a lot more often than he was likely to play this year, otherwise, and that will either be a very good or a very bad thing. I think it'll be fun either way. Jarvis Omersa is a really fun player. I also believe that Omersa will play better if he gets more time on the court. You will also, I think, see a weird combination at the four. Alihan Demar, Demir, who is the transfer to Paul, will be starting almost uh, without question so he's your starting four uh, opposite otura the question is going to be now how does the lineup look when one of those two players has to sit in particular Arturo. sam freeman is still quite raw and i don't think you should see extensive minutes from him at the five the hope this year would be that you'd slot eric curry at the five when you decided to go small now that's out of The question. So, who slots there is an open question. It's also an open question to me where Isaiah Inian, who is one of the new recruits, who's the guy from Germany, the four star, is a three or a four, and how he'll be utilized in the offense. Finally, it's an open question as to where Michael Hurt. Uh, will be playing most of his minutes, though I suspect he will also see an increase in minutes. So that's on a depth change. How it'll affect the Gophers otherwise, it's hard to tell, honestly, because they haven't really had Eric Curry for most of the time Eric Curry has been around. At this point, with multiple ACL tears, I think also an MCL tear the first time, If you're Eric Curry, you potentially have to start asking the question, do I really want to come back and rehab and play basketball again? Regardless of what the answer to that question is, I hope it's the one that he would like. If that answer is no, and this is known very early, the other implication for this is that the Gophers will very much be in the business of recruiting four players this year as opposed to three.
0: Yeah, because he's clearly a medical red shirt. Uh,
3: yeah, it's a medical casualty for sure.
2: Well, to go well, I was just, just going to say to go along with that, you know, it, it, it almost comes down to what would you rather have? I mean, when when Curry is healthy, he is an effective player. But you know, seeing that the Gophers already have Marwin Mitchell and and now you know we might have talked about it here, but uh, Jamal Mashburn Jr. in 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 the boat uh, for. 2020 you know you almost wonder if especially if you're still hoping that you're going to get Dawson Garcia to keep one of those scholarships open for a potential transfer you you wonder especially if they do get Garcia here in the next say month to six weeks um, you know whether that's a discussion that needs to be had over the winter with Curry and Patino and because if Minnesota has an opportunity to get a key transfer from say one of these schools that is going through NCAA issues um, you know, you, you don't want to have that awkward conversation with Curry come February, but it might need to be made too. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm in favor of whatever's. Uh, I mean, best for him. Like, if he wants to come back, more power to him. Um, it's got God, that's got to be a tough. That's got to be tough. I've I've never gone through a, a knee injury of that severity, and I can't imagine being on my third and having to think about the rehab one more time uh, to, to come back. So. wish him the best um, and uh, yeah hope hope whatever decision is out there is is good for him and and then secondarily good for the team so uh, Andy hockey hockey's been doing their thing Um, can you walk us through how the men fared uh, out at Colorado College
2: yeah the men uh, kicked off their season out in Colorado Springs against CC a former WCHA opponent and uh, they got an opening weekend split uh, they lost three to two on Friday night um, in a game that you know in a, in a perfect world they would have uh, they would have won. They ended up blowing two one goal leads. Uh, got off to a good start, jumping out one nothing a, on a goal really early by Tyler Nanny. Um, CC came back and tied it early in the third. Then the Gophers got Scott Reedy to put them back up, but then ten seconds later gave up the tying goal, and then uh, Taylor College scored with about four minutes left in the game to pick up a 3-2 win. Uh, Gophers really hampered by some stupid penalties in the third period that uh, they just couldn't keep their their full strength 5-on-5 on on the ice, and it it definitely came back to bite them a little bit. Um, But they did come back, and they got the all-important split, uh, winning 4-3 on Saturday night. Um, again, another back and forth game. CC jumped out two nothing after the first period, and it looks like you know the Gopher fans were starting to grumble. Oh, here we go, here we go. Um, but Minnesota made a nice comeback in the in the second. Uh, Sampo Ranta picked up a power play goal to cut the lead to two one. Um, after CC made it three one, they got another power play goal. Sammy Walker uh, made it three two. He would actually get thrown out of the game in the third period for a checking for behind major. Um, but it didn't matter because it was his sophomore teammate Blake McLaughlin coming up with the key goal with about 10 minutes left in the game uh, off of a nice face-off play, put the Gophers up 4-3, and they hung on. Uh, freshman Jared Moe playing his first game in net for the Gophers picked up his first win. Um, so it, it's good to have a, a good split against a Colorado College team that probably will be in the middle of the pack in the NCHC Um and, you know, it'll probably turn some comparisons if you're looking at it pairwise later in the year, but uh, a sweep would have been pretty bad, um, but a split you can deal with and uh, look ahead. And uh, they open up their season at home this weekend. The Niagara Purple Eagles out of the Atlantic Hockey Conference comes in for a non-conference series, uh, 7 o'clock both Friday and Saturday night. Gophers are 3-0 all-time against Niagara in their history. Um... It will be pretty embarrassing if they're not 5-0 and come by Saturday night, but uh, we saw this team lose inexplicably to bad teams at home a couple of times last year, so uh, there definitely are no guarantees, but hopefully if the Gophers can do what they need to do and take care of business, they'll be 3-1 uh, and one going into a huge home-and-home home series the following weekend against UMD.
0: Do you have any early reads on this team? I mean, obviously two first two games is kind of a a real early, early stretch to make some some statements but what what are your thoughts so far seeing seeing in the team against the actual uh competition
2: yeah you know I think uh, the the defense core is definitely going to be better this year they're a lot more a lot more polished offensively um you've got three freshmen in um Matt Staudiker who was actually the the least highly touted freshman of the three? He scored his first collegiate goal to tie the game at three Saturday night. Uh, he's a Shattuck kid from Michigan, um, and then you've got Ryan Johnson, the uh, Buffalo Sabres number one draft pick last year, uh, son of former Gopher Craig Johnson. Um, he he's an offensive powerhouse. You know he's you see him moving the puck. Back on the blue line, and he he's probably one of the most skilled offensive defensemen we've had in some time. And then uh, Jackson LaCombe, another freshman from Shattuck, um, he had sort of a rougher weekend uh, last weekend trying to adapt. He had a couple of big penalties, um, but you know I think those those three will play big roles as we get in a little further to the season. Um, you know, offensively they've they've got a couple of freshmen. Um, they didn't look embarrassing in the, in the first weekend, but they definitely have a little bit of catching up to do. Um, it's going to be that big sophomore line of McLaughlin and Walker, and then, uh, depending upon which, which wing they put on it, whether it was Nathan Burke, as it was Friday night or, uh, Garrett Waite was on that line on, on Saturday, but that's going to be your main scoring line. Um. You know, I think this team will, will struggle to score at times as they try and figure themselves out, but they've got the raw talent. It's just going to be a matter of, of getting lines to gel and players to gel. So, um, you know, I don't think they're going to be a, a bad team, but they definitely have some work to do, and, and they'll probably lose some games that you'll be shaking your head and wondering how that happened. But uh, I think they can compete with uh, any of the top teams in Minnesota and the top teams in the Big Ten as well on an every-night basis. We're
0: going to keep talking hockey here in just a minute, but before we do, a little word from our sponsors. All right, keeping the hockey talk going. Andy, the women had a sweep over Robert Morris, if I'm remembering correctly, this past weekend. Is that right?
2: That's right. Gophers went out to Pittsburgh, got a sweep over Robert Morris. Um, plucky Robert Morris, they're probably going to be one of the favorites to win the CHA conference. Um, and, and they uh, they took the Gophers' uh to task on friday night minnesota made a few uh, mistakes and robert morris capitalized um sent the game to overtime before taylor Wentz scored the game winner in overtime to give minnesota a four three win um one thing from from reading the tweets and listening to the uh, the broadcast that uh, was tough for the teams to understand i guess is is the referees depending on where you are in the country call much different styles of games so the wcha is a much more physical game um hence that ended up being related to a ton of penalties called uh in the series out at Robert Morris I think uh, I can't find the exact stats but I think something like 15 penalties were called between the two teams in Friday night's game and another 14 or 15 on, on Saturday um you know and both teams were getting whistled so it wasn't just Minnesota getting getting caught like that but uh Dan Hammond, the uh, Gopher women's radio announcer, was uh, a little aghast at, at some of the things that were getting called that never would have gotten called had it been uh, had it been WCHA refs blowing the whistle. But uh, the Gophers got the, the big win, 4-3, um, Friday, and then came back and, and, and got the sweep, 6-2 on Saturday. Uh, Amy Potomac, three points, pair of goals and assist. Um Sydney Scobie played both games in net for Minnesota and got the win. Uh, Gophers now moved to 6 0 on the year, and they're back home this weekend uh, hosting St. Cloud State in a WCHA matchup. Should be a pretty easy pair of wins for the Gophers. Um, but Minnesota will be honoring their 1999 uh, 2008 a-C-H-A, which is the previous governing body of women's hockey before the NCAA picked it up a couple of years later. But it'll, they'll be honoring the Gophers' first national title team this weekend against St. Cloud State. So um, if you're looking for something to do other than watch the, uh, the second half of the uh, Gopher blowout over Rutgers, go check out the, uh, the women and, and honor the Gophers' first national title team.
0: Yeah, that that's actually my new uh, win for the football game. Blow it out so big in the first half that everybody can go to the hockey game. That's that's a much better much much better outcome. Uh, Andy, what the hell happened to the volleyball team against Wisconsin?
2: Yeah, they just looked flat. Which, to be fully, you know, to give Wisconsin credit, Wisconsin figured something out about five matches ago uh, as the Badgers struggled, but in their last five matches. Um, They swept the Gophers 3-0 Sunday in Madison. They went to Lincoln and swept Nebraska 3-0 the week before. I think that was the first time Nebraska's been swept in Lincoln since like 2006 or something like that. So the Badgers really are playing exceptional volleyball right now, leading the the Big Ten. Um, But yeah, the Gophers did not play their best game. They're still trying to uh, recover a little bit. Kylie Miller. Uh, the Gopher senior transfer setter from UCLA, hasn't played in about three weeks with an undisclosed injury. Um, And Bailey McMenamin, the Gophers setter, the sophomore from Florida, who has been playing uh, as good as she looked her first couple of games. um, She's definitely struggled as the the level of competition has increased here the last couple of weeks. Um, The Gophers got a big win at Illinois last Wednesday to... Uh, to keep pacing the Big Ten, but yeah, they just could not keep up with the Badgers. Their passing was horrible, and the Badgers took advantage of every single Minnesota mistake. And um, So hopefully the Gophers will be back healthy and get their revenge when Wisconsin comes to the PAV here later in, uh, later in the season. But uh, they are home for repair games this weekend. They host Northwestern Friday night and Illinois Saturday night. Uh, as we said, the Gophers beat Illinois 3-1 uh, last Wednesday down in Champaign. Uh, Northwestern's a middle of the pack Big Ten team, so the Gophers should be able to sweep the weekend pretty easily. Um, Saturday night's game against the Illini will air on BTN. Uh, Friday nights on the BTN Plus stream game. So, um, lots of action going on at home this weekend between uh, men's hockey, women's hockey, volleyball. So again, if you are you know want to see something a little bit more competitive than than the football. Game, go ahead <laughs> head down to stadium village on uh, on saturday afternoon or evening and uh, there should be uh, plenty of things for you to choose from
0: all right that's i think our our great transition to prediction time for the football game blake uh can you give us a little little preview of what's going to be in your preview uh tomorrow
1: uh i mean if i wasn't clear enough earlier um records is bad uh and the Gophers are good. Uh, I think final score, optimistically, somewhere around Minnesota forty, because if you think, I mean, if you think about it, they've averaged thirty some points per game um, since season openers. This is, and that's against much better defenses than Rutgers. I just think that things are clicking right now for Minnesota. Um, Rutgers is just kind of limping to the finish line, trying to make it to the end of the year. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't blame those players for not buying in. Um, at this point, I just think it's one of those games where one team's hot, one team's not, and not much excitement. So, about forty to three, Minnesota is my prediction. Andy, how about you?
2: Yeah, you know, I'm definitely hoping for for more of a game like Blake wants, but like I said, the uh, the Minnesota fan in me still just can't shake the uh, can't shake the fear that, that this is one of those games that you know traditionally Minnesota while they win has a little bit more trouble than they should so i think the gophers will win and i really hope that they blow them out and that it's a it's a non-factor in the second half um but i do have it a little bit closer i think uh you know i'll say 34 21 um you know at least at least one of those touchdowns being another defensive score for rutgers whether it be a a fumble, scoop, and score, or a pick six, because we've had a little bit of trouble on that. But uh, I think Minnesota wins, just not quite as comfortably as many of us would like. Street,
3: what do you got? After playing the juggernaut that was the Nebraska Blackshirts defense, which held Minnesota under 35 points for the first time in three weeks, Minnesota returns to the 35 point for to a 35 to 7 win over Rutgers.
0: All right, I'm gonna kind of chart the middle ground here. I'm gonna say uh, Minnesota, you know, does some something weird and goofy to give up a, a, a touchdown to Rutgers, not to their offense because their offense is petrid. But well, you know, I don't know, fumble, Ruski, I, I don't. I, that's, I don't know, something weird. It's gonna bounce off somebody's head. Three times, and there's going to be a fat guy touchdown for Rutgers, and they're going to lose 31 to 10, and it'll be goofy and weird, and nobody's going to care. So we're going to go with that. Um, Keep an eye out for Blake's Rutgers uh, preview tomorrow. Um, It should confirm what you've already heard that Rutgers is indeed terrible. Um, But as always, we thank you for listening. Go Gophers. Skyuma, row the boat.
1: the boat.